short reading from Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck, and How Surrender Sets You Free, by author Erica Wiggenhorn, reading from page 25. I would dare bet that, like Moses, some of your familial relationships are messy, confusing, frustrating, and disappointing. Sometimes they can even be heartbreaking or destructive. Moses experienced all those emotions through his human relationships, and guess what? He learned to seek the Lord in the midst of the disappointment and devastation and discovered that his relationship with the Lord was the only one that brought some wholeness to all the other broken ones. If not wholeness, well then, at least acceptance. Friendship with I am forged the path to answer the question, but who am I? Coming to God with this question is the first step in the journey toward the promised land. Rather than continuing to read the flashing labels of not good enough and drowning in feelings of self-doubt, we turn to God for a new script. In order to fully embrace God's answer, we need to empty ourselves of the inadequate answers that have previously been spoken over us. Our fear of not being enough comes from a misplaced identity. We may understand pieces of ourselves, but we haven't allowed God to reveal to us all that we are. Only God can rewrite the reverberating fears of the past into songs of security in the future. Belonging to him, being his, places us into a new family, a new identity, with sacred callings and inestimable worth. He makes us enough, more than enough, and he thunders through his word, teaching us to tune our ears toward his truth. And then our feelings begin to follow. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. And boy, buckle up, because guess who's back? Erica Wiggenhorn. I'm so excited. She's just a little dynamo. And yes, I'm going to let you in on a little behind the scenes. It's a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So we just had a little power session <laughs> and prayer session before we started. And I kind of wish I'd had that on tape because I think it was really powerful. But we'll revisit some things because, you know, it's a Monday morning. I'm like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? What was, Erica, what were we thinking? <laughs> we were not. We were just. We were existing. We were not thinking. <laughs> Who tapes a podcast on a Monday morning? Not two busy women with children and families. And uh, Monday after Father's Day. Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> but welcome, Erica. I am going to point all of our listeners, new and old, to the 
former sessions where we first met you, April 21st, Becoming Stronger Through the Unexplainable, where you, mm, you just rocked my world. I don't know. You came in Kairos timing with a power. It couldn't have been a Monday morning. You were so fired up. <laughs> and I was so grateful for the message and for your story of infertility. And let me give you a little update. I think this is a drum roll. My daughter-in-law, Kristen, and son, Grant, are in the IVF process, which uh, Eric and I talked long and hard about infertility. So if you need to listen to that to receive Erica's amazing story and encouragement. Wow, they just retrieved 21 eggs from my daughter-in-law. That's miraculous. So now we just need some really good ones. We need a good egg. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then on April 28th, Erica, in her beautiful, bountiful heart, uh, she retaped uh, the beautiful meditation, Will You Get in the Wheelbarrow? She expanded upon it, and we made it a standalone meditation that I revisit monthly. And it's wheelbarrow season because it's summer season here. And so I'm seeing wheelbarrows absolutely everywhere. And look how big my smile is. I just <laughs> want to hop in each one that I see. But every time I walk by one, I go, okay, what do I need to get in the wheelbarrow with God today? And so it was a strong message on trusting in God. So go back and listen to both of those to get all the goods about Erica. I don't want to waste a second talking about how remarkable she is and what a heart lifter she is, but she does have a new book coming out that I cannot wait to hold. I've already pre-ordered. So make sure you put in your pre-order because listen, guys, heart lifters, pre-orders matter to us little authors it matters in all the algorithms. It matters so much and it increases the expansion of influence. Trust me, Eric and I, I'm being very honest. I think I, you can add to this. Yeah, I would love to be successful. I'd love to, you know, get money so I can give it away. But at the end of the day, the reason I sit at my desk and go through painful tribulation and writing is because I want men, women, and their families to be whole. So Erica's new book is, uh, it's by Moody, which all three of her other Bible studies are also by Moody Publishers. This one is called Letting God Be Enough. Okay, go ahead and exhale because I know you're going, I can't do that. Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck, Okay. Now, just last week in my practice, I know I heard I'm stuck at least five or six times. And that was low. Usually it's higher than that. Why striving keeps you stuck and how surrender sets you free. A lot of the topics that are going to be uh, um, dealt with here are overcoming a fear of inadequacy. I'm raising my hand. Finding freedom from the nagging fears of self-doubt and inadequacy. Securely resting in God's ability and commitment to care for you. And I think we'll probably land there for a while. I have it highlighted and starred. Cease searching for endless affirmation in accomplishments, positions, and relationships. Oh, Erica, you are getting into meddling. <laughs> Lastly, surrender your doubts and fears over to the arms of your loving father who promises to never leave or lie 
and to always be enough in your lack. So Erica, greet us with your beauty and your <laughs> wisdom. Thank you for coming on again. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy to be with you. So good to, to have you. So here we're going to switch uh, gears from God being unexplainable, life being unexplainable, church being unexplainable, which are your three Bible studies that are so rich and good, and move into a full trade book. So how was that for you? Like writing a trade book after a Bible study. I just submitted a Bible study, which I haven't written Bible studies in 30 years. So fingers crossed that that'll come out. But it was a paradigm shift for me to go into writing in a different uh, modality, a different genre. Tell me about that. Well, I had to overcome my fear of inadequacy to write a book on overcoming your fear of inadequacy. You share, share it all. <laughs> but, you know, this book, um, my, my Bible studies are much more expository in nature and really centered around the passage of scripture because my heart is to really help people that struggle with reading their Bible, because that was my story for so many years, um, just struggled, struggled to want to read my Bible, to understand it when I read it. So my Bible studies are really just, uh, there's not a topic. The topic is the book of the Bible itself that we're studying. And so with this idea of letting God be enough, um, while it really focuses uh, heavily in scripture, especially looking at Moses, who I yes. refer to as the greatest self-doubter of the Bible. Um, it's much more topical in nature. And so I knew it needed to be a book, <clears throat> but it was initially born in my heart, Janelle, um, right after my very first Bible study was published. Um, oh. This struggle of, am I enough? Am I going to meet other people's expectations? I don't want this person to be upset with me. I don't want to fail. Um, you know, I don't want other people to think poorly of me. Uh, all of that struggle to strive and be perfect and be enough. Uh, that was a battle that I faced my whole life, but it really came to a head uh, right after my first Bible study was published. I went back east to Chicago. Yeah, uh, I live in Phoenix. This. So I went back to Chicago mm -hmm. to visit Moody Publishers. Uh, a good friend of mine was with me. Uh, and we were in the hotel room and getting ready, getting dressed. We were about ready to walk out the door. I was putting on my coat. Uh, it was a spring day. So still cold and windy in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I was putting on my coat and I just started shaking uncontrollably. Oh. And I had a pit in my stomach and I looked at my friend and I said, I, you got to call them and tell them I'm sick. I, I can't go. I can't go in there. I'm going to, I'm going to take one step into that publishing house and they're going to know they made a mistake signing me, publishing my book, agreeing to publish a second one. Um, there, there, this is, this was all a fluke and it's all going to go down in flames the minute I step in there. And she kind of cocked her head at me and she was like, what? Erica, <laughs> we're here. You have, yeah. I think you have imposter syndrome. And I'm like, imposter syndrome, what's imposter syndrome? Mm. But she was like, get out your phone, Google it right now. And so I typed in imposter syndrome and my face popped up. No, not really. Oh. <laughs> but, but. All of the things that Tell it us. said, Go ahead. 
you know, like uh, any success you have is really a fluke. Uh, you don't belong in this position. You don't deserve to be here. It was merely luck. You brought nothing to the table. Um, you know, eventually this is all going to fall apart. You're going to fail. Um, all of those things that imposter syndrome says, it was like, those were all the thoughts that were spiraling in my head. And she was like, put your phone away, fasten up your coat, march out the door. This is a lie of the enemy. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to Moody today. They are going to love you as much as I do. And we no, you are not going to listen to this lie and miss out on this moment. And I will tell you the entire time I was there now, granted, I mean, this is like a dream come true, right? Yes. I'm standing in front of a bookshelf with books yes. with names on it, like Tozer and Spurgeon <laughs> and, you know, all these heroes Moody. to me, right? D.L. Moody. T.L. Moody. There's a book with my name on it next to these incredible heroes. Of the, it's like, what is happening, right? Who am I? And I did not enjoy one second of it. Oh, I no. felt sick to my stomach the entire time I was there. And when we finally got back to our hotel that night, I laid my head down on the pillow and the Lord just whispered to me, not out loud, but in my heart. And he said to me, Janelle, mm. when is enough going to be enough? Like you had this beautiful gift from me today mm. and you did not enjoy it at all. You let the lies that are rooted in your heart and your head completely rob you of any ounce of joy in this incredible watershed moment in your life. Oh my you, you struggled to get through it instead of relishing yeah. in my favor and love for you and goodness given to you. Yeah. Like, when are you going to let me be enough? When are we going to deal with this lie of the enemy and begin to walk in freedom from it? Mm -hmm. And as I laid my head on the pillow, I was like, now I'm starting that journey now, mm -hmm. Lord, because I don't want to live my life robbed of the joy that you have intended to give me. I want to enjoy Yes. The blessings that you bring my way and not sit in shaking, uncontrollable fear that as a blessing falls around the next corner is failure and awfulness. I don't want to live in that mindset. No. And God certainly doesn't Very want toxic, to actually. either. Yeah. Yes. It's unhealthy, and as we so say in our community here. It's an unhealthy state of mind, for sure. Yes. Yes. And so... That really began the journey. And I knew uh, I had already studied Moses extensively, mm -hmm. um, mostly because Moses is scripture's first mention of adoption. And I am an adoptive yeah. mom. True. I have two uh, beautiful children, both adopted at birth. Uh, but with my son, uh, at a young age, he started exhibiting some behaviors that I just couldn't quite wrap my mind around. I couldn't figure out where they were coming from. We went to several professionals. Uh, we got several that was different. About what age? About three years old. Three we years got old. several different answers about what, what where these behaviors were coming from. And I just began to pray. And I said, God, if, if I could just understand his heart, I could yes. understand what was going on in his heart. I would be able to understand these behaviors. I just, you know, his heart, God, you know, mm -hmm. what's driving this behavior. Help me to see what you see. Mm -hmm. 
You show us in scripture, you give your servants the ability to see within a man's heart. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you gave Peter that ability. Mm-hmm. God, I'm asking you to give me that ability to see into my son's heart. And so I had studied Moses extensively and I had studied him through the eyes of an adopted child, uh, which oh. was really a, a huge game changer in the study of Moses, but it helped me understand his struggle with self-doubt. And it helped me yes. understand his struggle to trust God. Um, yes. Can I and, read and something to, after to finish? Yes. This, can I take a well, and, I don't want to stop your flow here. And to develop that secure attachment with God. Yes. And I realized um, I, I'm not adopted myself, but there is there were some things in my life. And because of that, I believed the lie that I was securely attached to God when I performed for God in the way that he wanted me to. And when I didn't, that attachment was not secure. And that was the lie of the enemy that continued to terrify me that if I did, if I failed, then God, maybe God would be displeased with me and maybe God would no longer be good to me. Um, or distance himself from me. And that lie ruled my life for many years. What is your earliest recollection of where perhaps I like to call them fatal footholds? You know, Paul talks about footholds getting in our lives. And um, one of the most amazing books I ever read was called The Devil Gets a Foothold. And it's about how he tries early, early, early especially between the years of zero and six to wedge his little toe, his big toe, his red toe, whatever toe the devil has into our lives where these lies, these footholds can grab hold of us and then keep us from really truly, like you're saying, relishing in our life, thriving in our life. You know, they, the devil does want to keep us shaking You know, when you said that, it just, you know, I think everything now on a a mental and emotional level too, which just means you went into a hypervigilant state. So you moved from, just to explain here, because I think it's very pivotal. And I know, I know, I know there are many listening today who have been in your shoes, whether it was going to see your book being published or you place yourself in your arena where you have wanted a dream to come true, uh, whatever that arena is for you. For Eric and I, we both relate being authors, but not all of you are authors. So you just put that in your own school of life. But you moved in that moment from your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So when we are securely attached to God, and ourselves, we're going to move through life from that parasympathetic nervous system. But when we have a hiccup, or when we perhaps detach or let go and try to take control of it ourselves, we move into our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight, flight, freeze, fawn. So that was what happened to you that moment. Thank God you had a friend there who grounded you. She, she, 
come back, come back, come back, you know, let me ground you here back to secure attachment to clinging to the vine. And yeah, so was there a moment in your life, your early life, where you feel like that foothold may have started? I think this might help someone, you know, to recognize, oh, I've been listening to that same feedback loop. Yeah. So I don't know that I can, to be honest, I don't know that I can pinpoint an exact mm -hmm. event, but what I can tell you is that, you know, for as long as I can remember, um, I, I can hear my mother's voice saying, can you even imagine what people would think? Can you even imagine what people would think? Yeah, my mom um, too. Yeah. And people so, are looking at me. People are yes, looking at us is yes, what my mom would yes. say. And the only way, the only way that happens is when whatever that thing is, whatever that thing is today that God is asking us to trust him with, we surrender that over to him. That, that one thing today, um, you know, God, God knows we are but dust. He knows we are humans. He doesn't ask us um, to, this big abstract, like wrap your mind around how incredibly big and abstract and entirely other I am. God just makes it real simple. You know, what is it today that you need to hand over to me? What is it today that you need to say, God, I'm not enough in this situation. It's too big for me, but it's not too big for you. And so I'm going to hand it over to you today. And I mean, it can be a thousand different things, right? Like right now I have two teenagers. So there you go. You know, you. What my, you know what my things are. I'm handing over not, yes. not once a day, but a hundred times a day. Yeah. But I mean, it can be anything. It can We're be laughing, your career. It's not laughable. It's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's yeah. very hard. You know, it can be your career. It can be your marriage. Yes. It can be a prodigal child. It can be your sister or your brother. It can be that person at church that just makes you insane. Yes. Um, neighborhood, neighbors, community, someone yeah. on the soccer team, on the basketball team, on the baseball yes. team, someone at school. It can, yeah. Or it can, yourself. Yeah. It can be yourself. A yes. lot of us are fighting within our own souls. So yes. just wanted to add that. Absolutely. So what is our thing? What is our thing? And I, I really just wanted to read this while we were talking about the protagonist of your work here, Moses. And you write this in your book, Letting Go. See, I always say letting go. <laughs> I, have, I really have been saying that since I saw the name of the book months ago, but it's letting God. That's why I, because I have such a battle with when people say, just let it go, let it go, let it go. That works in Disney movies. It works in Disney, but it doesn't work in life, you know? And so I'm like, well, how about just saying letting God, let God, let God, let God. So I love the name of your book, Letting God Be Enough. You write on page 21 and 22, as an adoptive mom, I understand this. And you're talking about uh, Moses when he is found by Pharaoh's daughter. And that account is in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. So check that out and read that if you're not familiar with that story. 
So you write, as an adoptive mom, I understand this. While we are mom and dad, our children are naturally curious about their biological ancestors. Moses wrestled between his Hebrew heritage and Egyptian nurturing. What a difference. When identity, and this is where I want you to lean in. You know, these are these lean in moments. I'd love to have you just pause with it for a moment. When identity is not clear during childhood, it can easily translate to a fear of inadequacy in adulthood. Well, as a therapist that, and a trauma therapist, that stalled me, Erica, because, okay, I'm just going to keep going, then I'll talk. Our family helps define our place, our purpose, and a sense of meaning to our lives. If our family communicated that we were an accident, that was me, unwanted, an extra mouth to feed a nuisance, or unlovable, those labels become written on our minds and flash the feelings, oh God, that's good writing, flash the feelings of not good enough across our hearts with every beat. At the age of 40, Moses ventured out among the Hebrew slaves, witnessed their oppression by the Egyptians, and in a rash moment, murdered an Egyptian overseer. I'm giving just a little bit of the context of the story here. When he returns among the Hebrew slaves the next day, he asks them, why are you fighting your fellow Hebrew? Moses asked them, I don't know, he's like an Egyptian prince. Frankly, Moses's question seems a bit naive as though the Hebrews were one big happy family who never quarreled. <laughs> Is there one anywhere? I'm adding that. Let's imagine what may have gone through the mind of the Hebrew slave. Well, let's see, Moses, I could answer your question in so many ways. I'll start by reminding you that we're both oppressed slaves. We spend most of our waking hours toiling under the burning Egyptian sun, performing excessive manual labor. We both are frequently mocked and abused by our Egyptian overseers, as you yourself witnessed yesterday. Just read it in Exodus 8. But yes, I get your point. We should be kind and loving toward another because we are both Hebrews. Maybe that's why he answers Moses with such sarcasm and disdain, saying, who made you judge and ruler over us? Which in actuality, as the prince of Egypt, is exactly who Moses was. His answer basically informs Moses, you obviously have not a clue what it means to be a Hebrew. Okay, read between the lines here, Heartlifters. That's what we do when we read books. We pause, we read between the lines. We ask ourselves, how is this mentally, emotionally, and spiritually talking to me? No spiritual bypassing in our community. That's the decision that Erica made that moment in that Chicago hotel room. And after her journey, when she laid her head on the pillow that night, she went, I'm going to deal with this. Yes. I'm going to deal with this, Right. I'm not going to bypass this. Go, keep going. I think what's even more profound about that moment to me is it wasn't, I didn't even really understand, Janelle, honestly, that I had something I needed to deal with. Right. It was being quiet enough and saying to God, you know, what was that? Like, what happened today? <laughs> what was this oh, all about? And God it. saying, and God saying to me, when are you going to let me deal with this? <sighs> and that's really the profound shift. Because yes. I think for so many of us that feel stuck in a place, 
we are like, I want to deal with this, Mm -hmm. but we don't even have any idea where to start. Mm -mm. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not asking you to deal with this. I'm, I'm coming to you and saying, when are you going to let me as your loving, heavenly, perfect, all-knowing, omnipotent, omniscient father, when are you going to let me deal with this? Mm-hmm. That's it. And that becomes profoundly different. It's a Because huge then no gift. longer do I just sit here and look around and go, well, I, I want to deal with it. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to break this habit, but I don't really know how. And then, you know, then it becomes, you know, it's like the man in John 5, right? Yes. Jesus walks up to him at the pool and he says, do you want to get well? Mm-hmm. And he starts giving Jesus, you know, 50 million reasons why he can't get well. Yes. And it's like, hello, you're, you are lying before the Lord of the universe. <laughs> yes. Like who, who cares about you, dude? Like you're irrelevant in this moment. Your Jesus are. is here. Yeah. Jesus is here. And that was what, that was the huge mental shift for me that I had to make. Like, who cares if you don't feel like enough? Hello, you're human. You're not enough in every situation. Mm-hmm. Only God is enough. When are you going to let God li- unlimited power mm-hmm. be power, enough right. mm-hmm. in your lack? When are you going to make peace with your own lack and let me be enough in it? That's a huge different mindset, I think. And I think yeah. that's the that that's the secret shift is what opens the door to begin to walk toward freedom is to be able to say, well, I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to figure out what the next 10 steps are. I don't have to figure out what six months from now looks like. Mm -hmm. I, I just have to let my hands up and say, okay, God, I, I don't know. I don't know how to change this. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know, even know what a good outcome would look like in this situation. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. But I know you're good. Mm-hmm. And I know you are powerfully great. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to let you be enough for me in this situation. And that becomes the game changer because yeah. As, as long as we live in this mindset, it's all up to me. It's all up to me to figure it out. Well, we're probably going to stay stuck. And if I can really give like the psychological and the spiritual here, what happens in that shift? And I would love, man, I'd love to have been on that journey with you up to that moment. Because what were you praying? What was your heart unknowingly seeking? What there had to have been so much movement going on inside of your spirit, like your prayers had to have been leading you there consciously or unconsciously. But what happens in that moment when we do allow God to be enough is your, your, it's a, it's a transcendent move. Now don't think I'm getting woo woo because I am not transcendent just means you're getting on a, an infinite level, not a finite level. And that paradigm shift spiritually is is where the work begins, the movement, the shifts, the noticing. And that is typically not a head thing. Like we've been talking from the head to the heart. And even since 
I, I wrote my own nine tools. I've got another, this is a new tool. Like he's just shown it to me that especially when we're in those moments, like you were in the shaking, couldn't move, you're, you're stuck, you're frozen. All of those things, your body has kept the score. Your body has kept the score for years. And you, you tell another story in the book, letting God be enough about uh, your first job at Chick-fil-A. So I'm not going to tell the story. Yes. I'm, yeah. I don't want to, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, at a clothing store. A clothing yes. store. It wasn't Chick-fil-A. Yes. You were in a red Chick-fil-A booth when you, something happened in a red Chick-fil-A had booth. My, had my employee review. Yes. There we go. I knew it. Yes. So at her yes. first, yeah, So you've got to read that. I don't want to take time on that today, but it, but that was another moment. That was a precursor. That was like the yes. moment. But then when you finally got to this door in Chicago, and I love that it was at a door. I think that's so powerful. You know, it, you had that moment of transcendence of, okay, my finite mind is done. I don't know why this all happened. And that's awareness. So, so many things led you to your suddenly, right? Mm -hmm. And when you are a follower of Jesus, an ardent follower, even if sometimes when you're not ardently following him, your heart is, your heart is desiring to become all God wants you to become and be on this planet. And God in his grace and his love and his mercy looked down upon Erica that day and just went, oh, she's here. She's making the shift. Ah, oh, she's finally recognizing how finite she is. See, we often think, think of God in that same finite way. When he's not finite, he's infinite. Yeah. yeah. And that work is sensory. You know, it's like uh, we, I talked to Dr. Um, Allison Cook about baptized imagination, and that was such a revelation mm. to me. And so I've been studying that and studying that. And that's where all this is flowing out of. It's like yeah. we have to baptize, and C.S. Lewis is the one who coined that. We have to baptize our imagination because subconscious things like that or a mother's voice, you know, mamas, our voices, uh, that's another whole program that I'd love to have Erica, because I've already talked about it enough that our voice is the voice of God to our children mm. until the voice of God becomes the voice of God. And yeah, that's a weight. I know you're feeling, you're like, I'm turning this off because I don't want to feel this responsibility. I don't want to be in charge of my child's future emotional health. <laughs> Your mom was earnest. She didn't know. My mom mm -hmm. didn't. They really didn't. We, but we have knowledge right. today. So that was a shift for you mm -hmm. to come yeah. into a state of awareness to go, why the heck did that just happen? Help me understand. And you shifted and you let God, yeah. you let yeah. God move into his infinite role where he could begin to move in your life in all the ways, the sensory ways, the beautiful infinite ways. So I just wanted to make that known. I felt like that was so, so important. I feel like, you know, I could really describe my, my spiritual journey, my walk with Christ in really kind of like three phases. Okay. And my first phase with Jesus, it was like me plus Jesus, right? So <laughs> I have my life, I'm living my life. I've got my goals. I've got my plans. I've got my dreams. Um, as long as I feel like they're pretty good and they're pretty noble, you know, I tack Jesus on, uh, now I have my get out of hell free card and, um, 
you know, if, if there's like a big crisis or something, um, then I'll, you know, I'll talk to Jesus about it. Cause he's there and, and he loves me. Right. So it's me, I'm doing my thing and plus Jesus. And then going through, uh, you know, several really dark moments of mm-hmm. life, you know, on my, on your last, last time I was here with yes. you, I talked about infertility mm-hmm. and I really made this shift to Jesus plus me. And I came to this point in my life where I realized, okay, no, Jesus has to be first. His will, his way has to be first. But Jesus still needs me to help him unfold his will for my life, right? Yeah, you got to give him a little help, a little junior Holy Spirit. Yes. He, you know, I got to come in and, you know, I got to do certain things and I got to take care of certain situations. You know, Jesus plus me. Yeah. And really the point that God is bringing me to now in my spiritual journey and what, and what prompted me to write this book is really it's Jesus and the end of me. Oh, Erica. Jesus and the end of me. And oh, when I, so when I say good. the end of me, yeah. you know, what I'm talking about is, it, right. is all of this, this stuff, right? Like that you're talking about, like when the enemy came in and, and began to have a foothold in my life and, and these lies that I've absorbed and these false truths that I have, uh, that, you know, I have unknowingly uh, allowed to creep into my life, uh, disappointing experiences. You know, Jesus is, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Yes. Right. And once I get to this point where it's Jesus and the end of me, then the me that Jesus wants me to become is finally free to grow yes. and, and be the true me, right? Yes. The me that he created without all of this mar of trauma and, mm-hmm. and, and lies that the enemy has taken and, and tried to destroy Yes, the me that Jesus created. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. this, is, this is why I'm so passionate about this topic. You know, it's like Paul says, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Mm -hmm. And Paul was able to become the true Paul, right? Like I love Mm -hmm. the fact that God even changes his name, right? He he just remakes his entire identity, right? This is really what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And so it's identifying you know, most of us, I think, I think most people live in that Jesus plus me Yes. for a long, long time. I lived in I that agree. place for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I so do. my, my challenge really to anyone is to say, okay, you know, Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is over your life. You know, Jesus's will and way has to come first. But where, where are you factoring into this will in this way? What are you trying to, you know, pull Jesus back to your will and your yes. way. Um, mm-hmm. where, where are you trying to convince Jesus that maybe your will and your way is the better way to go? Yes. Um, or where are you saying to Jesus, uh, you know, I know, you know, all things. And I know that, you know, your power is endless, but uh, you know, I just feel like if, if I could just maybe control this relationship a little bit more, it'll be better for all involved. Right? Like, yes. Um, so, you know, what is, what is the plus me in mm. your life? Because for me, the plus me was 
um, I have to, I have to be perfect. I have to be the perfect wife. I have to keep my husband happy to keep my children happy. I have to keep everybody around me happy. I have to keep up this image and this facade that we are all good and perfect. And Mm, it sucked the life out of me and it robbed me of any joy. Um, Mm -hmm. So what is your plus me? Because that, that plus me is the thing that, that Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. let's get to Jesus in the end of me, because then I can do that work of moving Mm -hmm. all this knowledge that you have. Oh, yes. All these thousands of Bible studies that you've set through all of these sermons that you've, you know, faithfully listened to Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I can finally move this, this in your head down to your heart when you say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to be the end of me. I'm ready to let go of my will and my way in this situation and insist that Jesus, I have to help you out and I have to get you to see it from my perspective. Yes. 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 Uh, Jesus says, when we get to the end of me, mm-hmm. I can do my best work here. So Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, on a very sobering uh, note, which I believe Moses probably came to this place of sobriety in his wilderness 40 years, because you can't help but journey through when you're really getting to the end of yourself, which F.B. Meyer said it this way. And and it's in his study of Moses. Actually, I know that's where I heard it and read it. Uh, We when we get to the end of ourselves, we finally get to the beginning of God. So, of course, in the work that I do, when I hear I'm at the end of myself, I'm thinking of, I'm hearing people um, hint towards suicide or hint towards I'm going to end my life. And in all respect, at that moment where that might panic most people, to me, and I believe it's the same with our, our good, heavenly, watchful, omniscient father, he goes, Finally, finally, because it is a death. It really, I, I experienced that in 1998 when I broke my back and I couldn't dance anymore in my life as I had known it up to that point, I died. I literally, that when I look back at that woman, I go, who was she? She's so not the woman that I am today. I literally, Janelle, the dancer, the dance owner, the teacher, worship leader, she died because I couldn't do that anymore. And so I really want to take a serious pause here, Erica, because I think it's, it's, and you can speak, like, was this kind of the journey of Moses at some point? He had to die. He literally died in that wilderness experience to his identity lingering between, am I an Egyptian or a Hebrew? We die to our structured sense of identity that our family of origins have put us in or our our church communities have, you know, we have to do this. We can't do that. We do that. We have to die. And for me, that's been this last uh, probably 16 months during COVID where once again, I'm going to look back and I'm going to go, I don't know who I was prior to that because I leaned into this COVID experience and took a spiritual wilderness And the woman that I was before is not the woman that Mm -hmm. I am now. And I feel like I did die again. So in all Mm -hmm. sobriety, 
Yeah. Um, when we talk about it is coming to the end, it is a death of whatever um, platform structures, ways that you have built your identity, they're going to come down, they're going to shack their shackles are going to come off. And, and that in Paul's life was a period mm-hmm. of three days of blindness. In Moses's life, maybe was it at the burning yeah. bush where? I'm no, I'm quick. so glad you asked this question because this is honestly one of my favorite moments. Oh, scripture, even though it is such a a sobering moment, but we need but sobering. What it, but what it shows us about God is just oh. so. Anyway, you know, it it happens in Exodus 32 and Exodus 33. And essentially what happens is, uh, you know, Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. He puts Aaron, his biological brother, in charge um, and says, you watch the people. I got to go up on the mountain with God. And while he's up on the mountain, we know what happens. The people of Israel make the golden calf. But if you and don't they fall down and they go worship. ahead and read Exodus 32 yeah, and 33. <laughs> and Moses comes down the mountain. And, you know, what makes this even more horrifying, mm-hmm. if you will, is, you know, Moses is like, goes to Aaron and is like, what is happening? And Aaron flat out lies to Moses and says, you know, I, I really don't know what happened. Like everybody just started taking off their jewelry and they threw it in the fire and out came this calf. I mean, I don't even know Moses like, and then. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, you know how rebellious these people are. Like he takes no responsibility for what's happened. Mm -hmm. And then to make it even more horrific, he then turns to Moses and he says, and you were gone a long time. In other words, Moses, you know what? This is your fault, Moses. This is your fault that this happened. And Moses Mm. completely loses it before God. And, you know, talking about, feeling suicidal. He basically begs God in that mm-hmm. moment to he take does. his life. Mm-hmm. He, he says, I, I can't take it anymore. I, I can't take it. I can't take it any more. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just, just kill me now. Yep. And of course God doesn't because mm-hmm. God is the author of all life. Mm-hmm. And he knows exactly what Moses needs. Yes. And in this moment, um, Moses says to God, show me your glory. But first Moses says, you know, he's afraid God's going to leave him, right? Because now why is that so fundamental? Well, Mm. it completely makes sense because his brother has just completely betrayed him. So how is Moses feeling in this moment? The one person he thought he could count on has lied, left, betrayed him, blamed Mm -hmm. him for everything that's gone wrong. Moses is desperate to know that God's not going to do the same to him. Oh, yeah. And in this moment, he says to God, show me your glory. Mm. Why does he do that? What is he essentially asking God? He's saying, show me who you really are. Show yes. me the depth of your character. Mm-hmm. Moses is looking around. He's like, look, I know you're powerful. I watched you do 10 plagues. I watched you part the Red Sea. I watched you spare all the Egyptian babies. I watched you defeat the Amalekites before us. I've watched you uh, bring water out of a rock. I've watched you feed us miraculously. I know you're powerful. I know your Mm -hmm. capabilities are great. But what I really need to know right now in this moment where my life, I just, 
I wish it were over. I am in such a pit. What I really need to know right now, God, is, is your character good? Hmm. And look at how God answers him. He says, look, you're going to go up in the cleft of the rock. <sighs> I'm going to hold you in my almighty hand. Hmm. And I am going to allow all of my goodness mm-hmm. pass by you. Which is sensory. All Once again, that's sensory. That's a shift from a finite to an infinite. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Right. Because that was what Moses needed to know about God in that moment. That's right. I know your capabilities are great, mm-hmm. but I need to know if your character is good. Are you a good God? And God said, all right, I, you know what, Moses, I'm going to one-up you. Yeah. I'm not going to just give you a little sprinkle of my goodness in this moment. No, no, no. You're going to go up in that rock. You're going to be still. You're going to feel my hand upon you. And you're going to see with your own eyes all of my goodness. And then he follows it up with, he proclaims his name, the essence of who he is and and his whole purpose for existence Mm. in front of Moses. Mm -hmm. And he says, I am the Lord, your God, abounding in love, showing mercy and compassion to a thousand generations. Mm. He tells Moses and shows him and allows Moses to physically experience. That's right. The goodness of his character. Mm-hmm. And I have clung to that moment mm. so many times. There have been so many times I've cried out to God and I said, show me your glory. glory. Show me your glory. I, I, I know you're good. I know it in my head. I, I've read a thousand verses telling me that it's so, but right now I need to feel it in my heart. God, I'm desperate. Yes. Show me it. your glory. See it, taste it, sense it. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. God, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure there is a cry of the heart that mm-hmm. God loves more, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What does he say? He, say? he draws near to the broken heart he and he saves mm-hmm. those that are crushed in spirit, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you remind us of that verse in your book, Stronger Every Day, mm-hmm. right? Like God so loves close. that. Mm-hmm. So close. Loves that cry of the heart. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's really... That yeah. I think that was Moses's end of me moment. I don't I think, think it was so. the burning bush. No, the okay. burning bush. He's still that's his call God moment. Off. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was that moment. That's so and rich. and when we look at what God did for him in that moment, that end of me moment. I, I'm at, I'm at my wit's end. I, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I can't do this assignment. Mm-mm. I can't live this life one more day. Not in his own strength. Mm-mm. No. Not in his own not. belief system even. So I think that's another, yeah. the, the shift, the beautiful shift like you experienced was, you know, I, I have to have the shift in my belief system. God, this is just, yes. what yes. is this? What is going on yes. down here? Yeah. But the, the question in that moment, I think that we need to ask ourselves is, yes, you know, what do we need from God? I love that. Let's close with that. A real powerful, close us out here with that. What do what I need? Do I need? Am I allowed to ask God? that? Am I allowed to ask oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. 100%. That was what Moses needed from God. He needed to know that God was good, that God would show and demonstrate his goodness. Mm-hmm. And not just that God would be good to Israel yes. on a corporate level, 
I think the ultimate cry of Moses's heart in that moment was, God, will you be good to me, to me, to Moses, to me? That's the real cry of Moses's heart in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think as we're going through disappointment, we're going through doubt, we're going through fear, we're going through pain, we're going through heartache, we're going through heartbreak, betrayal, blame. That's the cry of our heart. Mm -hmm. God, will you be good to me, Mm -hmm. to me? And God was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I will. If you will just let me hold you. Yeah, hide you in the cleft of the rock, cleft of his presence. In the palm of my hand. Yeah. I will allow my goodness to pass before you. I will proclaim my name. I am the Lord, the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. Abounding Mm -hmm. in love abounding in love not i tolerate you right here we are again back you've got to try same, harder yes back in this same cycle how many times are you going to come to me in prayer with this again you're not making God me is. very proud right now moses yeah. you shouldn't be asking yeah. me this if you really oh. were on top of your game you wouldn't have had to ask me you know yes. that or ask me to prove my goodness to you yeah no no God never, you know, he never once says to Mo, like, you know, I mean, think about what God could have said in this moment, right? This is why I'm so glad I'm not God, because I would have been like, are you serious? Wake up. Like, how many times have I saved your neck out in this yeah. wilderness? Like, look at all these things I've done for you. And you mm-hmm. dare ask me if I'm good? Really? Yeah. Really? I but mean, that's we? what God could have said. He could have said so many things. He could have said, look at all these people watching you, Moses. Yeah, he didn't. Ouch. Yeah. He's like, well, he's basically, he said to Moses, I know exactly what you'd need from me. Yes. And I'm going to give it to you. I think that's And I'm going to give it to you in even greater abundance than you even thought to ask. Once again, the answer was not what Moses expected. No. It, it was, it was, it was the finite to the infinite. It was when you release, when you let go, when you stop, you know, it's like when you put your head on the pillow and you just go, what the heck? Yeah. And you, oh, my, that's you know the surrender, my, right? That's yeah. A, yeah. But go you ahead. know what my tendency would have been if I were mm-hmm. Moses in that situation? My God, I don't have time to sit up here in this rock. Like <laughs> I got a camp, I got a camp to direct. I got to get back to the people because who knows what's going to happen next. You know, now they're making, they made a golden calf. Now they're probably making a, you know, silver donkey. Like I got to get down there. I got to be in charge. I got to make sure nothing else crazy is happening. Like I don't have time to sit up here in this rock with you, God. Like, do you see? (laughs) I ain't got time for this. Do you see my life? Right? Like, I believe it really was a surrender moment for Moses. We because haven't even gotten think, to that. So when your book comes yeah. <laughs> out, you're coming back again and it won't because, be on the Monday morning. Because think about it. Yeah. When when did literally all hell break loose? When Moses was absent. That's correct. When he left. And now God's saying, you know what? Be gone a little bit longer, Moses. Wow. Great point. Be, go- oh be gone a little bit longer. And because right now you need to just be with me. And you need to just let the camp worry about itself for a little bit. 
Erica, you need to preach um, that again. You need to say it again. <laughs> you really seriously do because it needs to be said again. Listen. Yeah. Like you need to come away a, a little bit longer. A little bit longer. That yeah. all might fall apart again. Mm-hmm. It might. But- while that is happening, you, dear one, are, are being held in the palm of my hand and experiencing all <sighs> of my goodness. Oh my gosh. It's just, I'm going to get my little amen card. <laughs> but what I mean, that speaks is come put the oxygen mat. There's so much to this. Yes. Yes. It's like, come, that might, what I heard that might be falling apart, whatever might be falling apart. You fill in your blank. Mm -hmm. What you think might fall apart while you come over here and I invest again, I endow you, I speak over you, I pour into you to reestablish who actually is in charge here. He's so not authoritarian, our God. But he's like, let's reestablish the line of authority here. Because it ain't you, Moses. Yeah, you're in the line. But who's at the top? That's just what's speaking to me personally. Yeah, yeah. It's like, let me take, let me take care of the camp. Yes. Because right now, Moses, I need to take care of you. Oh, will you let me be enough? Will you let me take care of you? And trust that while I'm taking care of you, I'm enough to take care of everything else. Oh my gosh. Well, you That's just a huge moment of surrender right there. Therapized me right there. And you just put me in therapy, spiritual and emotional and mental. Oh my God. Somebody, you, you are hearing this today. What a powerful message, Erica. I don't think we need to go any further. I just really want to leave people. If you would just maybe pray over that, over the fact that we can come and say we need something from God. Mm -hmm. And that even if literally all hell's breaking loose around us, the most vital connection is our connection to God. If you would just pray us out. Lord Jesus, we all live in camps. Mm -hmm. Camps of quarreling, camps of disappointment, camps of devastation. Mm -hmm. Some of us may be living in camps of ultimate betrayal, Mm -hmm. just as Moses did. Um, The the person that we counted on the most, the person that we leaned Mm -hmm. on the most, they've let us down or they've lied or maybe they've even left. And that has left us reeling. And I love that you put Exodus 33 and Exodus 34 in scripture. And I love that you showed us that when we come to you in that moment and we throw up our hands in in anger and devastation and frustration and um complete disappointment and just say, God, just take my life. I can't Mm -hmm. do, I can't do this another day. Yeah. You show us the goodness of who you are in that moment. 
I love that you didn't shame Moses. I love that you didn't recount to him all of the reasons why you had already established your faithfulness and credibility. And all he should do is just believe you more. Hmm. I love that in that moment, you allowed him to experience you. Yes. You didn't ask Moses to just lean on all of his head knowledge and let his heart flail. Mm -hmm. Instead, you grabbed his heart (laughs) in your tender, holy, almighty hand. And you held it fast. And you said, oh, Moses, I know your heart is broken. But I am your good God, abounding in love and mercy and compassion. I am compassionate towards you in this moment of devastation. And I long to show you my goodness. And I long to remind you of my love and that I am the faithful one. I am your faithful father who will never leave or lie Yeah. the way Aaron just did. Mm-hmm. And I don't need you to control it all. I don't need you to fix it all. I don't need you to be all in all to all. I am the all in all. Come away with me. Come away with me as my beloved child. Sit with me and allow me to show you your goodness, to show you my goodness. Mm -hmm. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for that beautiful passage in scripture. And for someone out there who is listening, who is just spinning in circles, Mm -hmm. trying to keep it all going, trying to keep the walls from crashing in, or they have crashed in, Mm. and maybe they're in a puddle on the floor saying, God, just take my life. I can't do this anymore. Mm. That they will turn to you and say, show me your glory. God, I need to see your goodness. I need to feel your goodness. I need to know that you're here with me. I need to feel your almighty hand Mm -hmm. over my broken heart. And God, I know that you love to answer that prayer. And so I ask that you will just come in in this very moment and touch that person's life and say to them in your gentle whisper, I've been waiting for so long Mm -hmm. for you to ask me that. Mm. I've been waiting so long for you to let me be enough for my limitless power to come in and cover your lack. I never expected you to be enough. I just expected you to realize that I am God Almighty and I will always be enough. Not just in your situation, but for you in the depths of your wondering and trembling heart. I will be enough for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. In your name, amen. Erica, my goodness, thank you so much for coming today and offering us your authentic, vulnerable, beautiful heart. We're so grateful. So today, Heartlifters, pre-order, please pre-order Erica's book, Letting God Be Enough. I have pre-ordered it. It says it's coming out September 7th on Amazon, but typically when you do pre-order, they come a little earlier. Yeah. 
So I can't wait to hold it in my hands. And I know it's going to be uh, right on time for the fall season when, you know, we're all trying to continue to re-enter from uh, this global pandemic. So please do that. It would be such a great blessing to Erica. And I want to help increase Erica's influence in the world because it is it is a message the world needs to hear. You are, um, you're so dear to me and it's just crazy that we've just met, but I'm, I'm so thankful. So until next time, cause I pray there will be one, we are going to both remind you, Erica as well, that you're clothed in strength and dignity, dear Heartlifter. Yep, you are, you're enough, you're enough. God is enough, God is more than enough. So may today be that marker on your spiritual journey, that moment when you're standing at the door, perhaps shaking all over your body, where you make a very strong, beautiful surrender to God. God, I'm gonna let you be enough in that situation. Till next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.